This is Taking Flight. Welcome, and thanks for joining me today. I'm Corinne, a high school birder here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. My aim in creating this podcast is to increase interest in birding through sharing ornithological knowledge and spreading awareness about issues in the birding community. Ew! That turkey vulture is vomiting in its own nest. While disgusting, this is completely normal behavior for turkey vultures. The turkey vulture's primary form of defense is regurgitating semi-digested meat. It is an understandably foul-smelling substance that deters most creatures from raiding the nest. Furthermore, it will sting the predator's eyes if it is close enough. Another strange behavior is this bird's tendency to defecate on its own legs, using the evaporation of the water in the feces and or urine to cool itself, a process known as urohydrosis. If you haven't picked up on it already, today's topic, proper etiquette, I mean bird behavior. This is the last of our five foundations of identification, so let's get into it. As the title of this episode suggests, behavior is the actions that are in our nature, in this case, in bird's nature. Some questions that drive this last tool of identification are, where was the bird doing this behavior? How much was it moving? And what were its unique motions? What was it actually doing? Was it flying? Was it eating something or had something in its mouth? How was its posture? Was it alert? Was it vocalizing? And so much more. Here we are again, and I took the pleasure of making you another acronym to remember, although slightly more complicated than last week's pawthons. It goes like this, now to count, three Fs, three Ms. The N stands for nest building, the T for territorial, the C for courtship, the three Fs for feeding, fledging, and flocking, and the three Ms for mating, mobbing, and migration. I know it seems hard to process, but we'll make more sense once we dive deeper into each category. N as in nest building, is often conveyed through observing birds gathering or carrying small twigs, grasses, and mud, away to a secret, undisclosed location, somewhere on the horizon. Birds nest at different times, ranging from early spring to late summer. Not surprisingly, the majority of birds nest build in a very furtive manner, and finding a nest requires a keen eye, tons of patience, and a bit of luck. Also, the female may build the nest, the male might contribute, or sometimes the pair do the work together. It ultimately depends on the species. The kind of nest built is also dependent on the species, and pretty key to identifying certain birds. Cup nests are standard, and what the average person envisions a bird nest to be. Robins build these nests about 10 to 15 feet up in a tree, while sparrows build them in low-growing shrubs within 3 to 5 feet off the ground. Juncos may even build them directly on the ground, which is risky business for sure. Woodpeckers often make cavity nests that are formed on old trees after large branches have fallen off. This type of nest is also favored by chickadees and bluebirds, and many return to the same location to reuse the same nest year after year. When tracking down cavity nests, look for large dead standing trees or hidden nooks where large branches once were. Truthfully, Nest types come in all shapes and sizes, from swallows' mud homes to an eagle's messy but large jumble of sticks. 
Just keep your eyes peeled for any strange bird-made structure, and you may be lucky enough to stumble across a nest. T stands for territorial behavior, another major sign to look for. This behavior is especially noticeable in the midst of breeding season, as birds are getting ready to mate. While some songbird singing can be classified as territorial behavior, some manifest an actual aggression through mediums of shrieking, yelling, screaming, chasing, and on rare occasions, physical fighting. Often these battles occur between two members of the same species. Sometimes similar behavior can be courtship if done between a male and a female. Eager birders never miss the chance to see which bird is the winner, as one holds their place and the other flees the battleground. Some strong territorial evidence can be traced to the blue jay and its piercing shrieks. Or the constant cackling of the American crow as it shows hostility to other families and potential threats. While occasionally confused for territorial behavior, courtship, the sea, can be as simple as seeing a pair together in their natural habitat. By spending all their time together, the two birds create a special bond before creating their nest. Observing wonderful courtship displays is another must on a birder's bucket list. The first F is for feeding behavior and is the way a bird gathers its food, which can be further divided into ground feeding, canopy feeding, bark feeding, aerial feeding, hawking, and hunting. Many of the birds that you often see in your backyard are ground feeders, like sparrows and thrushes. Although all these birds don't stay hidden up in the trees to eat, each have their own idiosyncrasies when feeding that can be key to identification. Some examples of birds who gather their food this way are the chipping sparrow. And the American robin. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum is canopy feeding. These birds are harder to identify and even harder to catch in the act, since many can blend in with the leaves surrounding them. An easy trick is to listen for the particular sound of leaves rustling that is unique to bird movement. This takes some practice. Birds that eat using this method include the cedar waxwing. and the yellow warbler. Bark feeding, like its name suggests, includes birds that have adapted specialized feet to grasp onto the sides of trees and crawl up and down the bark in search of food. This group mostly comprises nuthatches, woodpeckers, and creepers. Thankfully, this behavior is easier to observe than canopy feeding. Some birds that utilize this strategy are the white-breasted nuthatch, and the hairy woodpecker. Aerial feeding is the act of catching insects in the air while flying, which requires agility and good coordination. It is these quick movements that can make aerial feeders some of the most exciting to watch in action. Some of these bird gymnasts are the tree swallow. and the chimney swift. 
Hawking is another strategy particularly used by flycatchers that is a mix between aerial feeding and perching. These feeders will perch on the edge of a tree, leap to catch an insect whizzing by, and return to that very same tree. If you watch this interesting feeding technique, you will see a distinct pattern, and the behavior will become more obvious. Like I said earlier, this group mainly includes flycatchers, like the scissor-tailed flycatcher. and the great crested flycatcher. The last feeding technique is predatory feeding, also known as hunting. Hunting takes many forms depending on the species. Some perch on a tree and wait ever so patiently for the moment to pounce, while others soar high overhead, covering huge distances as they watch for a single opportunity. Others will glide gracefully overhead, before making a straight nosedive down to scoop their prey at astounding speeds. Moreover, the prey these birds hunt varies, from fish to small mammals, to reptiles to amphibians to even other small birds. This is probably the most known feeding strategy, and the first characteristic that comes to mind when thinking of large birds of prey, like hawks and eagles. You might be surprised, however, that these strategic birds also include the great blue heron. in addition to raptors like the red-tailed hawk. The second F stands for fledging, or fledgling behavior. Do you remember when you first tried to walk? Well, multiply that by altitude, feathers, and a tough landing. Young birds have it hard enough just trying to learn to fly, but they must also learn to associate alarm calls with danger, and since they don't know any better, they may come very close to humans. Finally, the last F stands for flocking behavior. It is once the young have fledged that the once isolated species pairs begin to gather in larger groups. The juveniles are now self-sufficient, but stay in these groups for safety. This is in contrast to the territorial behavior that was expressed at the beginning of the breeding season. Once the nest is built, birds engage in mating behavior, our first M. To birds, mating is a quick and public task before heading back to work. If you blink, you might miss it, and better luck next year. The second M, mobbing, is a form of predator evasion that often requires you to use both your sense of sight and hearing. These intense alarm calls are frequent during the spring nesting season because nest robbers are an extreme threat to the eggs. Devoted parents will chase, scream, and mob towards animals you may not have considered to be a threat to birds. These include rats, squirrels, raccoons, snakes, and even other smaller birds like the brown-headed cowbird, for example, that lays its eggs in other birds' nests. I know the warning calls of the blue jay very well. They are a good indication that the great horned owl is out and about somewhere and is an easy way to track this usually perfectly camouflaged silent hunter. Furthermore, during data collection, such as the Christmas bird count, recordings of eastern screech owls can bring out the whole bird neighborhood of an area, of every species.
It can be strange to see black-capped chickadees teaming up with other birds maybe twice their size, but it's all for one and one for all. Migration, our last M, or seasonal movement behavior. As the humid summer comes to an end, birds pack their bags and make their autumn journey to their wintering grounds. At this time of year, you will most likely see a different mix of bird species from those that came during the spring. These migratory birds aren't making a permanent stay, but simply passing through. Some may travel distances longer than 1,500 miles, non-stop, and over open water, like the black pole warbler. while others may make relatively shorter trips to a neighboring subregion, like the red-winged blackbird. I know that this list of behaviors can seem daunting, so remember to keep it in perspective. The most important thing is to have fun. Identify which behaviors are the coolest and most interesting to you, and seek out those particular birds in action. I have some broad tips that will help you with birding behavior. Number one, use binoculars. Although these can be expensive, see if you can find a way to borrow or get your hands on any pair. They will drastically improve your ability to pick up on subtle behaviors and minor movements. Number two, listen as well as watch. Hearing the specific call a bird gives can give you insight into the bird's behavior. Don't bird without listening and don't bird without watching. Number three, bird at varying times of day. Birds express certain behaviors at differing times of day. While some birds cry out at the break of dawn, others sing a haunting melody in the dead of night. Some may mate in the morning, while others migrate in the dark. Try to change up when you go out birding. To piggyback on that, don't just change up the times of day you go, but also the season. It is undeniable that spring is the main birding event, and is a major time to see birds. But some species are active at other times of the year, which definitely keeps birding interesting. Number four. Use the five foundations of identification, size, color, shape, habitat, and behavior together. While each provides value on their own, together they make you one master of birding, the ornithological hollows, if you will. Remember if you're worried about remembering your observations, write them down, especially the behavior they were expressing at the time. You can even use a journal. Number five, sometimes you have to become a little kid again and ask yourself that difficult question. Why? Why is the bird making that call? Why is the bird acting that way? It is easier said than done, but with extensive practice, bird behavior will become second nature to you. Of course, field guides and online resources are always good to fall back on when you need them. In addition to talking about how birds behave, I think it's important to draw attention to the way birders should behave in what is known as birding ethics. This should be in our nature as much as the instinct to sing is in a songbird. Much of this should be common knowledge, but I want to share some reminders nevertheless. Being mindful of wildlife. When you go out birding, make sure you are minimizing as much as possible your disturbance to wildlife. This includes putting the birds first. Keeping birds away from their nests could leave chicks hungry or allow predators to take eggs and young. Migrants need to build up their fat deposits or may just be exhausted from the long journey so don't prevent them from feeding. Make sure to take notice of certain bird behaviors, such as alarm calls and occupied nests. These actions all require you to be aware of the needs of birds. Also, when you go out birding, try to blend in with your surroundings and wear neutral colored clothing. 
Being mindful of wildlife also means refraining from using audio playbacks unless instructed to do so for a count, using flash when photographing, and from handling birds, nests, or eggs. Being mindful of people and safety. You should focus on keeping you and others safe when birding. Make sure to respect private property, restricted areas, rules, and other regulations. Never stop your vehicle in traffic lane when birding. Always pull over onto a shoulder. If a shoulder is not available, keep driving. Wear appropriate attire when heading out, including footwear. Don't forget to stay hydrated as well, and make sure to inform someone of where you are going and when you expect to return. If possible, carry a cell phone, and when birding in a group, stay with everyone. Wandering off is never a good idea. Always practice common courtesy and enhance the image of the birding community in the eyes of everyone you meet. Being mindful of personal birding experience. Bird quietly and walk slowly to avoid making disturbances to the birds and other birders. Walking quietly will also allow you to better hear bird calls. Remember that your patience is often rewarded. Being mindful of nature protection is also vital. Support the protection of bird habitats and remember that all birders have a responsibility to contribute to the future well-being of birds and the environment. Lastly, make sure to dispose of waste properly and leave habitats in as good or better condition than you found them. Today's shared resource is a documentary I watched at the Michigan Young Birders Camp called The Messenger, directed by Sue Raynard. This breathtaking production discusses the threats birds are facing, including light pollution, house cats, hunting, coffee plantations, pesticides, and climate change. Aside from the beautiful photography that's incorporated, there are important takeaways that give you a better insight into why birds are disappearing and how humans are causing their eradication. Hopefully, it will shed light on the overall effects your individual lives can have on species populations. Join me in helping the world take a turn for the better, not the worst. Before we end today, I wanted to also share that the Michigan Young Birders Network is finally up and running. Please send me a message if you are interested in joining or share this information with other young birders you know. We aim to attract as many people as we can and hope to plan monthly virtual meetings, field trips, and maybe a conference. Sadly, the Breeding Bird Survey ends next Wednesday, so I'm going to be heading out until that very last day. The nests are becoming empty as the young fledge and try their hand at the difficult task that is flying. I know watching the young eastern kingbirds over at Skyline is both slightly humorous and inspirational. I challenge you all to find something inspirational to take away from birds in these challenging times, as sometimes the best place to turn to for hope is indeed our feathered friends. Be on the watch for future episodes, aired weekly every Friday at 5 p.m. Once again, I want to take a brief moment to remind you of those great resources still available to you. The Cornell Lab of Ornithology presents eBird, the All About Birds database, the Macaulay Library, the Birds of the World database, the Young Birders Network, and the Living Bird magazine. Don't forget about iNaturalist and Merlin Bird ID 2, which are both available for mobile devices. You can also email me at ornithologicalsocietyofpioneer at gmail.com or send a message to our Instagram page, o.s.pioneer. On our Instagram page, you will also find complimentary bird photos listed chronologically of all the birds mentioned in the episodes. All recordings used in this podcast were obtained under Creative Commons from www.cinocanto.org. Specific attribution of each recording and more great bird recordings can be found on their website. Thanks for joining me today, and see you next time. I am, as always, for the birds and stay bird nerds. This was Taking Flight.